Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Boy Problems Podcast. Today, we are meeting Lizzie. Yay! Hey, Lizzie. Welcome. Thank you. We (laughs) met Lizzie in our family support group, and she's become a friend over the past few years, and we're just interested to hear your story. Awesome. Share it with everyone. Uh, All right. So, how long have you been in your relationship with Drew? Um, We have been together about 11 years. Okay. And children? Yes. So we have two together. Um, they are six and three. And then we have three um, that he has from a previous marriage that are older. So so did you, when you started your relationship, did you know that he had an addiction problem and his drug of choice is alcohol? Yes. Um, I did not. Um, you know, we always were very social going out, um, having a good time with everyone. Um, and I think I noticed once I was pregnant and I couldn't partake in a lot of the alcohol fun um I noticed started to notice how much he was drinking Mm -hmm. and then I started finding like bottles thrown away and I thought that was really strange and I had talked to him like hey this is like I don't care if you're drinking like I thought I took it more as a personal thing um and then you know as it kind of went along when our other one uh, came along and I was pregnant I was really finding like tons of bottles everywhere like at first it was beer bottles then it was like you know fists of vodka Jameson just whatever um, that I would find and you know I had confronted him a couple times and just asked like um, hey like what's going on and he's like I think I have seasonal depression there was always a um, you know he always had some reason why he was doing it so mm-hmm. um question so when all of this was going on did anyone in his family or your family like realize that um or bring up that maybe there was a problem or to the outside everything seemed normal everything looked completely normal and so the job yeah job yep had a great job um yeah you would have no idea and you know i told his i ended up after our second child was born um actually asking his mom and dad if i could meet them um, and just kind of talk to them and tell them what had been going on um, because they had absolutely no idea. No, so. did he, if I remember right, and, and maybe, um, did he show up drunk to your second birth or was he? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. I think everything, like, he would leave, like, um, you know, looking back, once our youngest was born, um, he always had a reason to leave, mm-hmm. so to get away. And so, like, and I do remember, like, you know, after you, have a baby like after I don't know an hour or two they roll you to another room mm. and he was figured out like oh I'll go home let our dog out um whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a really great excuse <laughs> um and I remember like rolling my mom was with me and my sister and our new little baby like rolling me to my room and I was like this is kind of weird he's not here yeah um, but I had no idea at that point what was truly going on. So um, when did you start to figure it out? Like what were like the big red flags you couldn't ignore? Um, well, if I think back, I mean, there were times like um, he would like go to bed really early, like super early. Um, and it was weird because I always smelled like he always had like gum or cough drops um, on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, you know, I like I said, I had no idea how bad it was until probably our youngest was you know two to three weeks old and that's when I was like oh my gosh like he's in bed every day at 2 30 like in bed passed out with his clothes on and so that is where that's where it rolled and got worse I've got to tell his parents like because at that point I had no idea about alcoholism like addiction nothing Mm -hmm. and so I told them what was going on to try to help get me like to figure out what I should do and so I like looked up Fairbanks and um, that's kind of where we decided, you know, he agreed, his dad and I went, that he would go 
to, to the treatment facility. Yes, but we had no idea what we were getting involved in. So you didn't know anything about alcoholism? No, you didn't nothing. know anything about addiction? No. And how long had he been like active use at that point, like up until treatment? Well, thinking about that, that was probably um, four years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, like four, it had been at least four or five years going on. Got it. Yeah. And it just got worse. So he had had a job where he was a drugs and alcohol probation officer. Mm-hmm. So he oh. would always come back with knowing all these things. Yes, yeah. Very ironic. Mm. Um, but then when he got a pharmaceutical sales job, he had all this free time. And so that's when it started to roll and get worse because he would just be driving around. It's really crazy just drinking mm-hmm. and he had to give big presentations to doctors that he didn't really know exactly what he was talking about and so he would drink mm-hmm. to loosen him up mm-hmm. and so it got to the point when I said when our youngest was born like he was passed out in bed because he had drank a fifth before noon o'clock before 12 o'clock so, yeah yeah Wow. wow. Yeah. So you were blindsided. Blindsided. So, yeah because I was also blindsided. Yeah. 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 Which is just oh, tough. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, this, did he, we, a lot of um, people in addiction have, like, they get addicted to other things, too. Mm-hmm. To that point, had he had any other, like, was he abusing anything else um, or just alcohol? Like working out or... Yeah, like, he would get in those, like, looking back, he'd get in those habits. Yes, like, working out, he'd work out, like, you know, religiously. Mm-hmm. A good way is ad- addicted to working out <laughs> right. is another way to put it. Um, and I think, um, you know, later down the line, he ended up getting addicted to having like females give him attention mm. so he had made up like a profile lying about things and um so that was something that came later when we were like kind of separated but um but I mean even to this day I can see he can get very addicted to anything any habits yeah, yeah any habit yeah it's interesting yeah. Steve's yeah. addicted to doing the dishes I mean there can be no dishes <laughs> in the whole I mean it's it's weird well that kind of works yeah. out for I, you you would think but no I mean he's really like a jerk about it yeah. so he needs to come to my house <laughs> it's just first weird got clean, he got really big into like going to like thrift stores all the time and seeing mm-hmm. what he could find and mm-hmm. he would come home with like some random that's interesting. Like every day, or new record, or jackets. He had a ton of jackets at one point, and they were all from like the thrift store. <laughs> like, These aren't necessary. Well, I remember Charlie had this thing for fishing for a. Oh my a, god! He was. I mean, he would stay out till four or five a.m. Oh my god! Yes. I remember you calling me. I'm like, he's out fishing. I'm like still? what the fuck? It was like every weekend for like hours like yeah. he would get so sunburned that he would like get sun poisoning from being out fishing yeah it was i remember insane. i was like fishing and talking to trying to talk reason into him was like the exact same like reaction that you would get if you were talking to him about drug use at that point he was like so defensive about it like, oh my i'm glad that i, I forgot about that common thing is like candy i remember mm. oh yeah like when i went to oh. a couple meetings with yeah. jake and it's like everyone's sucking on a sucker uh-huh. or has mm-hmm. some sort yeah. of candy mm-hmm. in yeah. mouth and yeah. it's just i guess a distraction yeah but drew is addicted to ice cream he mm-hmm. eats like uh almost a full container a cream. day oh wow. still to this day yes it's ridiculous Ow. oh my god thank That's goodness he his job keeps him so active i mean he has put on a little bit of weight but I mean, it's it's a lot. It's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Good thing you don't yeah. have, like, lactose and <laughs> He'd find Switch something Switch to Sherbert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. Um, okay, so what then finally got him into treatment? Did this happen right after the meeting with his parents? Um, yeah. So one thing that had happened within that two-week time frame from when I sat down and talked to them is um, – he played football and had a lot of concussions, so that was something that his parents were leaning towards that, no, it's this concussion thing that's creating all these problems instead of, no, like, I'm telling you there's an alcohol problem. Mm-hmm. So um, he saw a, um, like, some kind of person that did some tests with his head, um, and I kept saying, like, no, like, we he needs to go, like, to Fairbanks. I had looked it up. And so finally he, like I said, he agreed to go there and his dad and I went and I said, um, I asked his dad, I'm like, they told me to pack like a bag. Um, and I was like, should I tell him that I have a bag in the car? And he's like, no, let's not like, let's not scare him off. So, you know, we went there and I had no idea how long he would be in there. I thought it was like, you're just going for a, you know, just to figure out what's going on. But little did I know he'd be in there for a week and a half, so. So, so he did detox, and then what was his 
Yep, so he did detox, and then he did the um, outpatient program, um, and I talked him into taking, like, a short little leave from work, um, because he was trying, at that time, he was a pharmaceutical rep, and that was a struggle for him already, and so he took a leave and would do the Monday for three nights a week for three hours, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was helpful, and he was doing the 90 meetings in 90 days. but it, it didn't last very long before he relapsed, so. And so during this time, like, who did you have to talk to? Because did you start going to group immediately? I did, right away. Yep. Okay. I started going to group right away, um, and I was going with him on Thursday nights. You were oh. allowed to go, um, and so I would go, and that was really great because I learned about addiction, parts of it, and then we would have, like, a 30-minute break, and it was in the summer, so him and I would take a walk around outside for 30 minutes and talk. Mm-hmm. And so nice. that was nice because, you know, with little kids around the house, it was hard to talk. And then it was cool to sit in the um, in with all the guys and hear how they're all struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was, like, very eye-opening. Mm-hmm. I don't think had I had ever done that where I'd be sitting here right now. Because yeah. I think that yeah. was what really taught me that, oh, my gosh, this is a disease. And all everyone, they're, oh, my gosh, like, all these people, like, there's doctors. there's yeah, I mean, it's just, like, it doesn't discriminate right. against anyone. So... So what about, I mean, in, a, in an episode that we have, we talk about anger. Mm-hmm. Were you mad? Um, <laughs> I mean, you had a two-week-old baby. Yeah. Um, I think I pushed the anger down as far as I could push it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I was just so happy he was there. I think mm-hmm. anger's come out way later <laughs> down the line. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the anger really comes, like, whenever there's relapses. Like, it's when I let it all out, I think. Mm-hmm. Um I did a pretty good job. I think I was so happy that he was, like, getting help because I had talked to him over the years um, that I just, I pushed the anger away. Yeah. So, yeah I can understand that. How was he during those early days? Um, like, like, a human I didn't know. Really? Yeah. Like, in a good or a bad way? <laughs> um, I did like the part where there was, like, a little bit more honesty mm-hmm. um, and telling me how things are, but I think that there was... Um, you know, looking at him, like, every minute, I think he was struggling, mm-hmm. like, um, and so, you know, like, I enjoyed this person, but it was also, like, who are you? Like, you're not my normal husband yeah. that I was used to. Do you right. think during this, like, initial time, like, was he at the point where he really felt like he had an issue and that he was committed to recovery, or was it something that he was more of just, like, going along to appease you I think like um so like when you're there that counselor was able like we signed it where I could talk to her Mm -hmm. and she said you know the first day she called and he's like she said he's not really talking much just kind of listening but by the third day he was starting to open up and I think you know like he was in there for a week and a half and it was the day before his birthday and he's like you know I realized that yes there is a problem Mm -hmm. and so I think he was in a better place towards recovery like he wasn't um, like he had the choice like to go in there and he said yes like he realized that there was a problem um, and so I think he was it wasn't forced so I think he was slowly on the right path to get there mm-hmm. so, yeah. um, you said something else that makes me curious you said like after once he was starting to get sober you didn't really you're like who is this person so when he was in active use mm-hmm. How, what was his personal personality like towards you? Like, was he nice? Or, I mean, you hear that sometimes yeah, people sure. in active yeah. use are like assholes. Yeah. When Jake was in active use, he was like his normal self. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really ever like mad at him or frustrated yeah. with the yeah. way he was behaving. So I'm just always yeah. curious. Yeah. Drew was always just fun. Like, like, I mean, he's never been like angry. He's not an angry person. He was never like, like forceful or anything like that he was just always like fun and happy and you know like let's do something fun and you know like we just we were always on the go and mm-hmm. um yeah so so yeah then I guess that there would have been that flip I think mm-hmm. sometimes probably also with alcohol you get so used to that mm-hmm. breaking the ice in social settings mm-hmm. and you have to like relearn how to have fun or be that same personality or yeah, I could definitely feel, like, the sadness. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, depression, yes. Like, 
it was just an overall like life sucks yeah you kind have to of, like get to know this new person yes. then, that you're yeah. in a relationship with that, but they're also getting to know themselves right. so like what age did he start like abusing alcohol um i think he said like uh the first time he ever drank was like you know in high school or something interesting so probably yeah. like 15 mm-hmm. yeah yeah so, so i think we talked about that too like uh Steve started using when he was about 15 and so his just emotional age mm-hmm, was approximately mm-hmm. 15 so when he was dealing with issues he was like 15 years old yeah so yeah. did you notice that as well oh yeah yeah, yeah. and I still notice it today yeah. like there's still a huge work in progress mm-hmm. from that so yeah that's tough with kids in mm-hmm. my opinion yes definitely <laughs> yeah especially if you want it to be like a partnership mm-hmm. um yeah. an adult partnership when they're still like kind of sometimes acting like a 15 or 16 year old in certain situations so Mm -hmm. yes that is a struggle yeah so relapse has been a part of Mm -hmm. drew's journey yep so how long for the first time that he went into treatment do you remember how long it was before he relapsed yep um he went about 30 days um and a weird part is is he's never like dabbled in like um drugs or anything like that but um it was labor day weekend and we were going to all go out to eat with his mom and our whole family and um, stepdad. And he got into his mom's cabinet and took a slow release something. But he was taking naltrexone, I think, which blocks how you feel medicine mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't give you that high. So he kept popping the pills. I didn't know this until we got out to eat. And... Um, like it was weird we were sitting down we were all gonna order and he got up to go to the bathroom like who does that when you're ordering you know it's just really strange <laughs> and then all of a sudden he came and sat back down and he's like we have to go to the hospital and i was like like what in the world's going on and you know at that point our littlest was two months old so of course i'm like nursing and he's gotta come with me and i'm like what's going on and he's like and he, i heard him say because all the kids were there i took my mom's pills and I'm like, okay. And so, like, we tried to, like, calm everything as much as we could. And luckily, we, we could drive across the street to um, the emergency room. And he had taken, like, 14 pills or 15 oh, pills. Because he kept goodness. thinking that they were going to come. But they were hitting him because they were slow release. And so, you know, he basically had to stay in the hospital. Like, I was there, you know, for most of the night. I actually left because, you know, when you're two months old like you can sleep anywhere but I was tired and um you know so that's the only time he ever dabbled in any kind of like that was uh, the first time other yes. than alcohol. yes but that counts as a relapse well, because, yeah totally you know yeah. right so then the the what you said he was on naloxone or something yeah right which is used for opiates but in this case he was using it for alcohol well I think they had him take it it was just something that they were having him take um I think it uh helps uh they, their urge to drink is less when Got they it. take that. And yeah. I think that's why they were saying, I think it's very close to a Vivitrol shot. Right, which is what my uh, husband's Which on. takes away the urge. Yeah, interesting. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you think I like about mm-hmm. relapses? I remember thinking, like, a relapse would be awful. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking uh, Steve's first clean date was, like, the date. And I was going to be yeah. burned in my memory forever. Um, <laughs> I, just, I remember it. I, I remember just, the first date. I just like to I, think about that. Yeah. Six clean dates in my yeah. mind. Oh, I know. So I don't even remember dates. Relapse was. Um, Did you think it was like the end of the world the first time? Yeah. Um, Like, I can't believe this. Like, why is this happening? Like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like, you've been doing so well. And like, we're learning all these things. Um, And so, yeah, I think that that definitely hit me. But I would say then, you know, I think he went two more months um, and then he relapsed again. And that probably hit me even harder because, you know, it was all a lying. Like, it just, you know, and that all that before he relapsed, it, those signs started, mm-hmm. you know, to show like lying about where he was, lying where he's eating, like just the stupidest things. Like, um, and so that just hurt because it felt personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's not, but it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. what we've talked about is yeah. that the actual like relapse with drugs is usually less upsetting than all of the betrayal and lies mm-hmm. that right. come with it. Yes. And, like you were saying, the part leading up where you're just feeling like something is off, but you can't mm-hmm. pinpoint it. And then you start to feel crazy. And so then there's this mix of emotion when a rela- when it comes out that there has been a relapse. You're like, oh, good. Relief. I'm not crazy. But then you're like, yeah. oh, shit. Like, that's not good either. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
I get that. So did his um, relapses in with Charlie, his is, his have always kind of progressed, you know, mm-hmm. like there have been more and more consequences. And were the, was that the similar kind of trajectory for Drew? Um, yeah. I mean, yes, because of the consequences I was, you know, like um, willing, what I was willing to stand for and right. take. Um, and, you know, like the dishonest and all that, like that just really just made me upset and you know he finally was like well I can't I can't do this by myself and so you know he actually ended up at Fairbanks three months later from the first time Mm -hmm. so in December and then um you know we talked and he's like I I really feel like I need to go away somewhere um Mm -hmm. like I there's just too much at home with you know a little a two-year-old and a um a two-year-old and a newborn Mm -hmm. um and so that's when we decided you know, okay, like I'll handle the, I'll hold down the fort. Mm-hmm. You can go away. And it was supposed to be 30 days at first and it turned up into 90 days and he was in Mississippi. So it was far away. But, um, you know, I felt really hopeful cause this was something different. Right. So he was in Mississippi for 90 days. Yes. How was all of that for like your relationship and and also like and you your like, yeah <laughs> yourself like then you've got the kids, kids at home mm-hmm. like everything financially yeah, falling on right. your own. yeah yeah a lot of so stress. the nice part is in around this time um in december and this is what also i think um helped with the relapse is he found out that with pharmaceutical you get let go a lot um and you get you know compensation for a while but then you have to go find a new job so he already knew he was going to be losing his job um, but we knew he'd be paid out through March. So that worked out really good because mm-hmm. it was kind of perfect timing. He mm-hmm. could still get paid this great salary um, and go away. Um, but it was really hard on me. I think, I don't even think, I think I, at that point I was still on like auto. Mm-hmm. Like I have a newborn baby. I'm still waking up. Like I have to go to, you know, I I had just gone back to work and I had to keep going. Um, I think the hardest thing with the family is when they go away to those places um, they're only allowed to call like once or twice a week, sometimes mm-hmm. three. It just depends. And so they would only get, if they could get you right on time, you get about eight minutes. That's mm. the longest. So it became a huge struggle because, you know, like the kids want to talk to them. Our littlest kids can't see him. So they couldn't like, they were used to FaceTime, but they're too little to under, of course, our little baby didn't care, but, um, <laughs> you know, like the older kids wanted to talk to him than his mom, mm-hmm. his dad, you know, it was like monopolizing. And I, it got like, everyone just got mad at me because, you know, he would choose to call me two out of the three phone calls he could have. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, hello, you guys have not been dealing with any of this. Yeah. Like right. you're just getting awoken to this. You've been living it for three months. I've been living it for years. Mm-hmm. And so that yeah, was really better hard. Be yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I'm his wife, like let us deal with our stuff. Yeah. Um, and I do remember like sitting outside Fairbanks and his mom, um, you know, I went to go see him. You could only visit for three hours on Sundays. It was an eight hour drive. And I decided I wanted to go. And um, and I took our two little dudes with us. And, um, you know, I remember talking to her and she's like, well, I'm going to go too. And we'll drive. Do you want to drive together? And I was like, hold on. Like, you know, no. And we got in this huge argument. Um, I actually went. It was right before the group meeting. And I can't remember if you guys were there, but um, I I had to keep telling her, I'm going to hang up on you because she started yelling at me and upset and like, you're saying I can't see my son. And I was like, you know what? You can go this weekend. I'll go the following weekend. Um, And it just created so much because he wasn't able to communicate to everybody. And I had to take the brunt of it. And then I think a lot of times the wives and spouses take all the shit anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, it was just, it was so, that part was hard. It was almost... It was good that we could communicate with each other, but I had to take all the shit that he left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, that yeah. was the hardest like part. Still right. there mm-hmm. dealing with the it. financial part, luckily, was like taken care of. You know, like mm-hmm. that was yeah. nice. Yeah. But it was more just the emotional, like, like I was like, I don't even want to talk to you. Like, hang up, call, call the big kids, call, you know, like call your dad, like call, like. I just didn't want to be the one, like, because then if they found out I talked to them, it was like more daggers at me, mm-hmm. and it was. It was rough. Well, emails? So, could they? Could he email you? No, no, they take your phone away. So, and this was more of the first thirty days. Once you do thirty days in the residential, you go 
um, and you can live like sober living. And so then he got his phone back and that's when life got a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. And so he could have like the privileges of the phone back and he could communicate and text and do all that. That's good. Wow. So then after those 90 days, he came home. Yes, he did. Then what? Um, It was weird. Transition. (laughs) It was really strange. Um, Had you sold your home? Not yet. Okay. Nope. Nope. So that was really a struggle to take care of a gigantic house and, right. you know, dogs and all that stuff. Um, so he came home and it was just still weird. Um, and I think that I might have, Alex, I think I might have got the idea of going to the marriage counselor mm. um, from you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think we went a little bit, um, but he was still like, at this point he had you know, decided he was going to work out all the time. So he was, like, super physically fit. (laughs) Um, You know, he's very into himself, though, still, like, very Mm -hmm. um, selfish. And I still hadn't dealt with so much, Mm -hmm. I think. Like, I hadn't been going to counseling yet. Um, I'd still religiously gone to the meeting with the group, mm-hmm. but I hadn't really started working on myself yet. And then you'd push down all that Yeah, anger. I pushed all the way down. My counselor <laughs> likes to say, you got it all locked up with 5,000 little locks, and one day I'll get you to open it up. Yeah. Um, so that was, it was just weird. Um, and, you know, he lived at home from the, from April to September with us, and that's when he relapsed again. In September, but that's where um, I found out that he was like, you know, on sites to meet like girls. Oh, um, and like you know, making lying like he was five years younger, that he had this amazing job, that he was like this amazing football player, like you know, all these things were that was there wasn't a lot of truth to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's and, like living a fantasy, yes, right? A fantasy, and it was, you know, I mean. Now we've talked a lot about it, but it was more just another way to get attention, another way to make him feel better. Mm -hmm. And he was getting attention from that. And once I found that out, I was like, um, actually, it was everybody had spent the night. It was a Sunday night. It was, I think, Memorial Day was the next day. And I got a message like he told me he was going to go to a meeting and he went to a meeting at night on Sunday. I had all five kids at our house like we had already eaten dinner. Um, We had swam all day. And then he decided that he was going to go to a meeting. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I was always excited for him to go to a meeting. And then, um, you know, like, after about two and a half hours, like, you started to get that, like, feeling and you're not, it's in mm-hmm. your stomach, yeah. like, something is not right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I called him and he didn't answer. And so then I had, like, reached out to his parents and I'm like, I'm not trying to freak you out, but I can't, I don't know where he is and mm-hmm. all this. And so I ended up getting a phone call, like, you know, four or five hours later, wasted, uh-huh. and I had to pick him up at a bar, like, down the street from our house, and I decided, like, I had to wake up two of the older kids and say, you know, I'll be right back. Like, everyone's asleep. It was, like, 1030 at night. The next day was school, and um, I ran down the street to get him, and he wasn't wearing his wedding ring, and so that's kind of where I found out all this stuff, and the next day I was like, get out. You cannot live here anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I can't handle this. Like, mm-hmm. That's just, like, the last yeah. boundary slash straw I can take. Right. Um, and, you know, like, not only have you relapsed, but you're, like, lying. This is more deception. And, yeah. You know, I Bringing in another it. layer with yes. the female yep. attention. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's already such a trust issue. and mm-hmm. Yeah. That it makes it a lot It feels like yeah. the drugs themselves can be, like, a mistress mm-hmm. in some sense. Mm-hmm. And then if you start to bring in... Like actual, actual like ones. real people. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very compounding. Yeah. So what yeah. happened then? What where'd he go? Um, so then um he ended up living at his dad's house for a little while. Um, but he was drinking there. And so like I was talking to them a lot. We've always had a very good open relationship and you know, they were to the point where they're like, you know, he can't he can't do this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like now they were seeing what, you know, it was wasted. They're like, I don't know how many times we've cleaned up his puke in the bed and like just all this uh, stuff that I don't even think like Drew even remembers some of the things he's done. Um, and so basically there was a time frame from September until February where it was really strange because, you know, I actually did go see a divorce lawyer in that time frame um, just 
to kind of see like I'm like what are we doing here like um I stopped talking I stepped I stopped reaching out to him Mm -hmm. and I just started to pull back and work on myself Mm -hmm. and so that's when I started going to a counselor um it started where I learned what detachment meant Mm -hmm. which means you know I I could still love him and care for him but I needed to kind of work on myself and I didn't um I didn't talk to him very much and it was a really hard struggle because you know sometimes he wouldn't like see any of the kids for a couple weeks but Mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't going to be stupid and reach out and be like hey do you want to have the kids this weekend like and anytime he did have time with the kids like we all pulled together and his dad or mom like someone would be there so it would never be like he was alone Mm -hmm. um and so so during that time frame uh, about like I think it was around November his dad and stepmom couldn't handle him drinking anymore so they decided to um they called and they got him into some place in Las Vegas. And so he went there for a couple oh, weeks and he called that. me yeah. and I was like, okay, like, and I did go over to his house and went to the airport to take him there. Um, because anytime it was ever about recovery, I would be there to support him mm-hmm. still. Um, and so he went to Las Vegas. He was only there for like three weeks. And then um, like all of a sudden he called me on his phone and I was like, how's he calling me? He's like, I'm coming home because he talked to his mom into like letting him come home instead of being there for the full time um you know and so he ended up coming home and so that was nice because thanksgiving i did get to spend in christmas we did spend like our normal kind of family tradition um he still wasn't living with me at that time he ended up getting an apartment um and that was really strange and it's hard because you know our our kindergartner still will reference like that place dad's place and it kind of like like I hate I wish he would never have to remember that part yeah how did you like explain all of this to the kids like so the big kids um knew everything so what were their ages so let's see what because it was probably it was they were probably like 15 um 11 and like eight when it first kind of went down Um, and we did have to tell them kind of what was going on because the first time he went away for those 90 days, um, he was gone for Christmas. So he left in December and was gone. So we missed all those. So Fairbanks actually let us have like a special night where it was just two hours of us just kind of hanging out. Um, and so we are very real. Um, when he was there, I took all the kids and we, like we rented, we got a hotel with an indoor pool and we made it fun, but we were able to see him. And so it was good because I could openly talk with them like, you know, a little bit what I had learned about addiction. Um, and, you know, like the oldest, um, she was in high school and, you know, talking to her about drinking and she's like, I don't ever want to drink. And, you know, like, cause she's seen some of the mm-hmm. things that have happened. Mm-hmm. So um, I tried to be open. And then, you know, with our kindergartner, like I don't talk about it so much anymore. He knows he goes to meetings and everything, but you know, when he didn't live with us, I just said, daddy was sick. Mm-hmm. because it is truthful yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I don't want to like not I don't need to like share everything but I wanted him to know there's truth behind like what's going on and mm-hmm. he still loves us but he's sick and he can't always be there yeah yeah, yeah. That's so cool. that's tough yeah mm-hmm. so we went to Vegas came back yep so mm-hmm. is he like coming back because he doesn't want to do treatment or is he wanting to do that at home or? I think he just really still wasn't ready to be yeah okay you know like yeah. he had been um, starting to live like on his own and just you know the it comes back worse I feel like mm-hmm. you know like it just keeps getting worse well, I think like, it's yeah. telling that he called his mom uh-huh. to like get out mm-hmm. when they have kind of a strained relationship yeah um, and that if it was really more recovery based I feel like he would have called you mm-hmm. but he, he knew, he knew you would have well, been like well, no and I would have said no way but I think it's just like um, and you know it's different like as a mom like I don't know how I would be in those situations because it's like oh your son's telling you these things and mm-hmm. you know who knows what he really like said I mean mm-hmm. he did tell me like there's people doing drugs here and it's not a good place it's not like Mississippi and I went to Mississippi and it was great and mm-hmm. you know, I recommend that place to everyone but um, so you know, I don't know how much truth was behind all that, but I'm sure, you know, alcoholics and addicts are good with manipulation and mm-hmm. they know how to work it. And so we manipulated his mom, mm-hmm. just pulling on her heartstrings and got him to come home. <laughs> so, yeah. so he's home and then does he get into treatment or does he, does, does he move back in with you? No. So he moved back into his 
apartment that he had and I think this is when it got really bad mm. um so like you know I in this time frame I had like just asked what a like got it to a divorce lawyer kind of got some information um I accidentally left those notes out and he saw them he's like damn you guys are harsh and I was like <laughs> well you put me through some shit um, <laughs> yeah. but um uh, sometimes he brings that up. Funny. Um, so, but he basically went for a couple um, months just, you know, he was actually working for his family. Um, and, you know, like, I think they were starting to get really frustrated because, um, you know, he, he was doing well, but then sometimes not as available. And, you know, he was, he was drinking and doing this, mm-hmm. you know, back into the, I can handle this. The I can drink it. Yeah. 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 And cause there's no one at his place holding him accountable um and so I started in January my counselor told me to write stuff down so I started actually writing in a journal and I started like like I would take pictures and I would take like quotes and it just became like just a way for me to start healing and um I decided like the very end of February you know what I think I'm gonna send that I think I'm gonna give it to him Mm -hmm. and so I knew that he would always be at his dad's house um for work and so I went and I put it in his car. And, like, later that day, he texts me and he's like, thank you so much for that. And I was like, oh, hold up. He did not read that. That is not what he would want. Yes. So he said, you know, thank you. That's what I needed to hear. And so I, I didn't really reach out to him. And then um, I found out he didn't go to work for, like, four days. Like, he just – he didn't go to appointments. And it, it got really bad. Um And, you know, he called me one day and was like, I just, I miss you. And I was like, blah, 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 blah. It's not real. Um, And so, because I knew that at this point he was bad. He was going to have to get back into some kind of thing. And then I got a text message on a Friday morning that, um, that Drew was talking about committing suicide and that he agreed to go back to Fairbanks. And so his both of his sets of parents were going to take him. And they're like, do you want to come? And I was like, nope. I would have been there, done that. I was going to get my hair done. Oh. So I remember one thing we learned, we got to take care of ourselves. Yes. So I learned, you know, like to just to keep doing things like you normally would. Um, I knew there was nothing I could do. Yeah. Um, he wasn't going to really remember that I was there, any of those conversations. So, you know, I let them take care of that. And then, um, then when I talked to him later, like the next day, uh, he had already started talking about going back to Mississippi. So he didn't spend very long. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, he was really realizing, like, I stopped paying for, like, anything, um, which was hard because I was still supporting everyone, like, with insurance, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. all the kids, like, um, making sure that they were still taken care of. Um, you know, I wasn't getting any help financially for mm-hmm. a long time ever since that, you know, mm-hmm. um thing from his old job ran out and so um but I was like okay this is good we're going you're going back to Fairbanks and he's like you know what he's like I want to make like I want to be with you Mm -hmm. and I said okay um well I'll still be supporting you but I knew that he just needed to go back and I was like you know call me one time a week I learned you know (laughs) call me one time a week call everyone else when you're there because you don't get your phone for the 90 days um and then um you know there were people in our support group that um, I started asking, like, um, where could he go to live afterwards? Mm -hmm. Like, if he doesn't want to live there in their sober Mm -hmm. living, to me, it makes more sense to bring him home. So it's at least a little bit more of what life is really like. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a gentleman there who kind of gave me some ideas. And the nice part is I didn't have a lot of time to talk to Drew on the phone. So Mm -hmm. I he told me, find a place. And, you know, I'll go there because I was like, you cannot come and live with us. Like, we have created this safe place. We had sold our house. Like, basically, when that first went down in September, like, right away, I was like, found a new place. Like, I knew I had to sell it. Like, I already knew that I couldn't function and do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, he and I kind of decided he wasn't very excited, but there was a sober living place that he could live here in Indianapolis, he got into it, and so then he lived there for a couple months. Mm-hmm. So got it. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. That is a lot. That is mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. yeah, I think I liked what you said about you were like I knew he couldn't come home because we had created our house as this safe space, mm-hmm. and you didn't want to bring in like that chaos. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a 
it's a good boundary a hard Mm -hmm. boundary to put in place how how have you dealt with putting boundaries or identifying what boundaries and like sticking to them yeah um I think um you know I in that time frame of just getting away from it and living somewhere new like I kind of got more myself back like I'll never be that same person who I was but Mm -hmm. um you know more I felt more like myself Mm -hmm. and it was easier to know what I would stand for and what I wouldn't Mm -hmm. and so um you know like sometimes there's not always like a hard boundary Mm -hmm. but there's things that you know we have to talk about um and you know that was definitely very hard for him because he thought that he was going to be able to kind of like I've got sober like I'm great you know I've always been able to take him back and I'm like no you've got to come like you know our our kindergartner a couple years ago was biting himself really bad and hurting Mm -hmm. himself and so he actually started going to counseling because um, you know, he was so upset and so angry, but he couldn't, like, articulate. He had no idea what was yeah. going on. Like, you know, from what he probably remembers, like, his dad's, like, in and out of his life this whole time. Like, sure. going to Mississippi, gone, going to Mississippi. And so, right. um, you know, my main thing was protecting them as mm-hmm. well. And so, um, you know, I think it was really smart for him to do, like, live there. He got a job doing construction, so it wasn't anything fancy, but it was hard work. And then, um, you know, we slowly integrated him back to, like, come over for dinner, and then he had to go back, and mm-hmm. then come over for dinner a couple of days a week. And so, you know, I think Drew thought I was punishing him, mm-hmm. you know, because there were many times where he's like, I just don't understand, like, this is expensive, I'm not eating here, like, I'm barely here, and I'm like, yes, but this is for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... Right. Um, that was something that I think, I guess, another boundary kind of that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by July, I finally said, okay, you can come back and live with us. Mm-hmm. But we decided on, like, dates every other Tuesday. And then the every other Tuesday that we weren't at a date, we went to a marriage counselor. So we started it. And, and these were things, like, I remember I took him to a restaurant and I was like, these are the things I want. So I guess they were my boundaries. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I want to go on dates because we got to learn who we are. Right. Like, you know, I want to go to marriage counseling. Um, you know, like, wh- how many meetings? Like, let's get on this meeting. How many meetings are you going to go to? Um, these are the things, like, I want and I need. And I think he was on board. So that's good. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. It's really awesome. For me, uh, the boundary thing, it was always easier to, like, w- once the chaos was out of the, like, my immediate day-to-day life it was so much easier to make those decisions like for myself so you saying like you can't come back and I understand that like feeling like when Charlie came back from last year from the halfway house was like well this is I have my little routine and like Mm -hmm. my house is clean and like (laughs) you know it's like I understand that like protecting that so it's much harder to do like to to make them go away Mm -hmm. in that in that moment when you're used to the chaos Mm -hmm. like but once they're gone, it's, like, easier to protect it, I yep. think. Yep. So so it was nice to have him at home um, and slowly get back into a routine. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't been on a vacation in a very long time because we've been dealing with this. And so my parents always go to Florida for a couple months, uh, a couple times a year. And they're like, you know what, why don't you come? Um, Drew couldn't take off work. So I decided to go and I took the two little dudes with me um, and my sisters were there with their kids and stuff. And so it was fun. And I talked to him every day. He was very checked in with me. Um, the big kids had like stuff going on. So I was able to go to that. And then um, the night, the last night that we flew in, he picked us up and I was like, something is weird. And he ha- didn't text me that day, which mm-hmm. I thought was really weird because usually he's like, did a good job because that was something I needed, like mm-hmm. constantly reaching out to me and just kind of being checked in. Um, and so I realized on the way home as he's driving us home that he's drunk oh, oh god yeah and so i'm like oh my gosh and um you know we talked a lot about depression again and all this stuff and i'm like oh my gosh like how is this happening and so then um he actually ended up drinking for basically the rest of the week mm-hmm. um there was one day on thursday that he was like i am going to drink if i am not with somebody and so, like, I was off that day, and so I decided to stay home with him, but I still had to go to work the next day. So his dad was like, well, I'll take him to breakfast, and then, um, you know, I don't, he mustn't have had to work or something. And so then um, he went to breakfast that Friday, and I hadn't heard from him all day. 
And so I picked up the kids. We came home and he was sitting like in the little, like, little lazy boy chair and like staring at the fireplace, listening to John Legend on Alexa. And <laughs> um, but he wasn't there. It was really weird. Like I could tell he was been drinking um, and they tried to climb in his lap and like talk to him. And he was like not acknowledging them, just like staring at the fireplace. So I called his dad and I was like, you have to come get him. Like, yeah, there is no way, is like, yeah, like, we can't, like, it's not fair for the kids to see him like this. Like, right. he cannot live here like this. And so, in that time frame, I walked to our garage, and I was telling his dad, that's when he came out to the garage and said, get out of here, I'm going to kill myself. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I told his dad, like, get over here. He luckily lives, like, a mile down the road. I call, I hung up and called 911, and, um, you know, we don't own a gun or anything like that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to open the garage. Like, I can't see anything. Like, if I witnessed something, like, I'm visual, that would be worse. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah. like, okay, I just thought he'd go wander. So I t- opened the garage, and, you know, I'm on the phone with 911 telling them to get here. Like, he's talking about committing suicide. He's so, like, drunk. I don't know what will happen. Um, and I just remember our little child had to go, he pooped. And so I'm like on the phone with 911 changing a dirty diaper. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Cause I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'm like half kind of crying, half being like, oh my gosh, you know, like yeah. what is going on? And so I heard the knock on the door and it was his, um, luckily his dad brought his stepmom and I went outside and I was like, is a garage open? And he's like, no. So I ran around to the front and I put in the code and then he was hanging by like jumper cables so his dad and I um pulled him down um so his dad held him and I took it from away from like his neck and then he got on the ground but it worked out perfect because just as we got him to the ground like the police and everyone were coming up um but it was so sad because you know he's like just let me die just let me die and you know luckily he hadn't been there like you know we don't know how long he was hanging for um yeah so lucky um, and the kids didn't see anything like his stepmom took him, took them inside. Um, and, you know, they actually had to sedate him and they kept calling for backup because he had no idea what was going on. He was so just, you know, right. horrible right. place. And, um, you know, the most frustrating part is, you know, he ended up at like the psych, uh, psych ward and they keep you for a while. And um, he just doesn't remember anything. So yeah. that's the hardest part because it's like we went through this traumatic like event and he yeah. doesn't remember anything. And it's ingrained in your memory. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. I remember being in the car with my sister and brother-in-law and like getting your text mm-hmm. either that night or that morning. I think you texted. I did. Yeah. yeah. Everybody. And yeah. I was, it was just like shock. Like my <laughs> like, heart stopped and I just do? was like, oh my gosh, poor Lizzie. Like I can't imagine yeah. like seeing that and dealing with it. So. So how long ago was that? So that was um, in October, um, like a year and a half ago, a year and some change ago. So yeah. have you and he talked about that since then? And like, what is, yeah, so, how is he? Yeah. So he the one thing that really changed is, um, so he was there and I went to go see him and the, they keep you there for like five days in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, a priest that's really good friends with his dad came and saw him and, you know, talked to him and they had a good connection and said, you know, listen, I have a father who's an alcoholic, a brother who's an alcoholic. Um, and so he's lived that life as a priest Mm -hmm. and, uh, they kind of bonded and, uh, you know, we kind of talked and we're like, something's not right. Like you're, you know, you're not obviously not on the right depression medicine, like all this stuff. And so we actually went to a doctor, um, I think it's someone that they recommend from Fairbanks who used to work there. Mm-hmm. And so we went and he actually, it was really cool. I went with them and he met with us for like two hours and went through like everything. So, you know, to be in recovery, you don't just need one thing. You need all these things to mm-hmm. kind of make it work. So we came up with a really good plan of like, you know, how many meetings is going to go to, what medicine he's going to be on. And so we totally changed him to a different kind of depression medicine Um he started taking a drug called Anabuse. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about that is we all take turns giving it to him every night. And so we give it to him and then we give him a hug. And so it creates not just like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a family thing. Um, you know, he knows if he would deny it that that's, you know, there's a huge <laughs> red flag right there. Yeah. Right. Um, and so he's been on that actually ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually think that gives me some peace. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, I looked same. at everything a lot differently. Like once... You, you wanted to end your life. 
-hmm. Like there's something so much more intense about that than just being an alcoholic or right. addict. Right. Um, so yeah, that's changed a lot. Yeah. And what so, does an abuse do for people <clears throat> who? Sure. So one time uh, in this past summer, <laughs> he uh, tried to drink on it. Um, he went with his mom um, and daughter to a volleyball tournament in Florida and he barely got to drink much at all and it makes you very sick. Um, so you, I think you throw up, your body like goes red, you hallucinate. Um, he thought he was dying. Um, his mother had called and said, uh, you know, what's, you know, what, do I need to call 911? I'm like, no, he gets exactly what he deserves. That's exactly <laughs> what's supposed to do. And I was like, but for you, if you want clarity, I'll call the pharmacist and just ask. Like, yeah. you know, and so... Um, and it was good to call the pharmacist because he said, don't let him take it for, you know, I don't remember, like four or five days afterwards because oh, he's got to get all the alcohol out of his oh, system. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, but I was like, good. And you know what? I finally was like kind of I felt bad that, you know, uh, his daughter had to go through that because oh. she saw it. But, you know, like her and I text had text and I'm like, you know, I love you. I'm so sorry. I've been going to go through this. Um, but, you know, I was kind of happy that his mom had to see, like, this is the shit that we went through yeah, all to deal the with time. It. Right. Yeah. And I was actually kind of happy that I didn't have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like, I was I was here. Mm -hmm. um, but the nice part about that and what's come from that is that actually, out of everything that's happened, that stuck with him a lot. I bet. So he mm. remembers how horrible, because he didn't even get to, he never got to enjoy the yeah. feeling of drinking right because right away it starts making you really sick mm -hmm. so i'm like ha ha, ha. You deserve. <laughs> yeah. so, so um charlie's on like vivitrol which is uh -huh. sort of similar right mm -hmm. like they can't get they don't feel the effect of the mm -hmm. drug how long can someone be on an abuse continuously yeah so it's one thing that you i think they have to kind of watch their liver right and how they're doing um i mean even when he went into fairbanks and was drinking like crazy amounts um he uh had great liver results or whatever. Mm -hmm. He was yeah. very proud of that. I'm like, you shouldn't be proud of that, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so now I can always put that back around. You can be on an abuse forever. Right. Um, yeah. But I mean, it will You've be something that he'll... Liver. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, that'll be something that he'll have to kind of get checked every once in a while, which yeah. his doctor, he sees him, you know, periodically. So. And I think someone in the group had, <clears throat> whose husband is also an alcoholic had mm -hmm. said, like, your liver is going to be bad if you're drinking. Mm -hmm. Your liver is going to be bad if you're doing an abuse. So you'll just stay on an Right. Yeah. And I thought, well, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're going to kill your liver either way. So sure. if you want to be yeah. in this relationship, you must maintain an yeah. abuse. Yeah. And I think we would all agree. I just want to throw this out as a disclaimer that um, I think we're all in support of using, like, Pivotrol, anabuse, mm -hmm. yes. suboxone. suboxone, any yeah. of those things in addition right. to oh, recovery. Yeah. Yes. Like, we don't see that as, oh, just take this and it's some magic pill or medicine right. yeah. and you're no. fine. Um, it's a safety net. At least yeah. Vivitrol especially, like, especially, like, with the fear of overdose. Like, mm -hmm. it's just this safety net of, like, okay, so he can focus on what he needs to do and mm -hmm. I can focus on, like, not focusing on that. Yeah. yeah. And it just it helps Agreed. a lot. Yes. Yeah. Give some peace of yeah. mind. Yeah. So where are you guys at? today yeah so um <laughs> yeah like my gosh you've had a lot of relapses yes we have and, and a lot of shit, shit. A lot of, <laughs> yeah a lot so of trauma the one too. thing that i think is really cool is um so we were at uh our daughter's like um uh volleyball game and they won sectionals and it was the same date that he had the year before tried to commit suicide and mm. so i like realized that and i was like isn't that really cool you got to be there yeah. Mm -hmm. You might not have been there. Yeah. And so, um, you know, like it's just been um, I really try to be more open with whatever I think. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't like it as much. But um, before I would used to, you know, three and a half years ago, I would never speak my mind about anything. Probably. Yeah. I just would try to be like go with the flow. And it is really hard because I have a natural like laid back to myself. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was easy to kind of fall into that. Um, but now, like, you know, there's a lot of things. I still worry about things. Like, um, he's had a lot of concussions, so I struggle with, like, the memory part. Like, mm -hmm. how much of this is, like, alcohol-related? How much mm -hmm. of this is concussion-related? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So is he getting treatment for that, too? Like, yes. Now that the yeah. 
yep. alcoholism is kind of under control. Yeah. He can so, focus on other things. Yep. He's been to a neurologist um, and he goes, you know, on a schedule just to make sure um, he's done two big tests. And so like every two years, I think they'll do like a point of reference just to see like how um, is there a decline? What's mm-hmm. kind of changing? Um, he's been testing out some different medicine um, just to help with like his memory and yeah. his mind and all that. So. I don't know if it's really helping. It might be a placebo, but at least you know, it's in a better place right now. So, yeah. It's a sidebar, but um, I watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary mm-hmm. on Netflix, and it's there's a lot about the concussion oh, and like yeah. how it how it um, like the damage that you get to your brain affects mm-hmm. like your judgment and your impulsivity and stuff. Yes. Yeah, so it's interesting. So the impulse yeah. thing has been the one thing that's that's where the abuse is really helpful mm-hmm. because. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is one thing that has always been, it's an impulse decision. Mm-hmm. Like, let me take these pills. Let me do this. Like, right. It's just so fast instead of, you know, his his uh, sponsor would always be like, why are you being so damn selfish? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, this is a selfish disease, but you're not thinking about your family and what you're doing. But I think it wasn't even that. It was the impulse that took over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Where, where are you with trust right now? Do you trust him? Do you um, think you'll ever really trust him? Uh, we actually just talked about that the other day, him and I. Um, <laughs> because, you know, it's like they can do one tiny thing and it takes you all the way back to no trust. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and so, like, I a lot of times will be like if I catch him, like, saying something that's not truthful. Like, so, for example, today um, I was asking him about something and he, like, agreed to it. And I was like did you actually listen to what I just said? No, I didn't. I was like, okay, well, then you're lying. <laughs> you know, like, he's like, oh, geez. You know, and, like, I just want to constantly call those things out because um, I've said, you know, like, if I can't trust you, then I can't be in a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there's always going to be that thing in the back of my mind, like, what's going on. But the thing that I guess I can do is if I see a red flag, I can call it out mm-hmm. and um, you know, hey, do you realize that you were lying? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know one thing that they try to do is catch themselves. And, yeah. you know, it's part of the, the steps and stuff. So so I have so, a question oh. about, um, so Steve mm-hmm. has not ever used since our children have mm-hmm. been alive. Yours has. Yes. So how, at what point are you going to say enough is enough? I'm out. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to protect myself. I got to protect the kids. And divorce. Mm-hmm. So one thing that happened is, like, in June, that relapse happened with the abuse. And I had just started a new job. And I got a message from his stepdad and his mom. And I was like, shit, they never call me. Mm-hmm. Like, something has happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I emailed my counselor. And, you know, like, oh, my gosh, like, this happened. And I had already had emailed her earlier that day and was like, there's something going on. Like, my stomach is, like all messed Um, up like I feel like something's going mm -hmm. on so it was pretty crazy that that happened um and you know I think at that point I was like I can't do this anymore Mm -hmm. like I've already gone through so much shit Mm -hmm. like I can't do this you know and um you know they were talking about should they fly him back home and all this stuff and everything and I decided um you know like I'm not going to talk to him until he reaches out to me and I had a high school, like, reunion thing going on. And so I went to that. And he did actually call me right before. Um, and I kind of briefly talked to him. He didn't want to talk about anything. But when he flew back home, we just, like, actually talked about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what was going on, why he made these choices. And, you know, I kind of um, was telling him, like, I don't think I can go through relapses, like, anymore. You know? And so, um, I mean, it's... It's been good, but I mean, I know relapses are on the table, but if something would happen, like a crazy relapse, like, and it didn't get right back on track, I'd be out. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think that's what kind of makes the difference for you? Yes. Is like him getting back right. on track yeah. quickly, yeah. like yeah. it was going on. Because had we gone through that big time frame again of like, okay, you're going to go live here and do whatever you want. Like, I wouldn't be spending all that time waiting to see what would happen and be like okay get your shit together or like let's not do this because it's not fair to me it's not fair to the kids like it's not fair to anyone and your family so yeah yeah that's how I feel too about that um okay so you've obviously been through a lot Mm -hmm. it's been a lot of time if you had to leave like one piece of advice or someone that's brand new to this um 
with a spouse or trying to figure out how to help someone in recovery, what piece of advice would you give someone? Um, I would say education. Yeah. So the most you can educate yourself about it because it helps you understand. Um, The one thing I think we've all learned is we can never understand how they think and we'll never think like them. Right. Ever. Right. But, 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 and we can never understand why they do the shit they do. Right. But if we can, um, you know, understand maybe where they're coming from and how the disease works. Um, And, you know, relapses are a thing. Um, I think, you know, places have been very um, open with, you know, relapse is a thing. Mm -hmm. It's like going to happen nine Mm -hmm. out of ten times. So I think the more real you can be about all of it and educate yourself is going to be the best thing. So that's awesome. awesome. Yep. It's a good place to end. I think that's yeah. a good ending. Awesome. Thank well, you for was, coming yeah, and sharing so your story. Yeah. And being open. For sure. Yeah. And we've yeah. enjoyed awesome. your friendship. And, yes. Uh, yes. Thank God I have you guys. <laughs> yeah. That's what we always say all the time, too. Yeah. Yep. We would not make it through without yep. each other. So. All right. Thanks. Awesome. Keep, Keep coming up. back. Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com.